Hey, friends! Welcome to Talking by Myself. I'm your host, Layla Rosa. Of my friends, of your friends. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I just get on the podcast and I make shit up. Pretty much. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you know my secrets, um, I feel very exposed. Not gonna lie. Real exposed. I am so full of it. I know. It's great. Um, hey though, how you doing? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's me really listening. I'm really listening right now to you. I am. Just taking that space to listen, you know? It's important. I hope that felt good to you. Did it feel good? It felt kind of nice for me. It's like my imaginary friend, whoever you are listening to this podcast out in the void of podcast land. And you're listening to me do these crazy rants like every week and talk about a book and, I don't know, attempt shit. It's pretty exciting, honestly. For me, it is. It's exciting. It's very therapeutic. And I need that. You know what I mean? Like, I need it. I've been feeling so irritated lately and so frustrated. Um, Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's life. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I need some hope, you know? And I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm looking for the hope, and I'm like, where are you at, boo-boo? Where are you at? Because homegirl feeling a little bit low right now, okay? Homegirl, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm not even kidding, yo. I got this um, drops to put in water. It's like this anti-anxiety hippie shit. It's pretty exciting. I love hippies. I am one. Um, and I got some lemon water and then I put this, like, it's got like St. John's wort, which I just read up on and apparently hmm, can cause some weird side effects, but, uh, it makes me feel pretty calm. I think, um, I haven't been great at taking it though, because I don't take it every day, which you're supposed to do, but you know what I do take every day? My vitamins. That's right. Because actually I have to take them. So my doctor told me to, oh, speaking of doctor, um, Homegirl, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I had a post, I posted that video and uh, that story, I'm not going to tell retell on the podcast. That would be just funny and not, not having a point, but, uh, did really happen guys. It's crazy. Um, really irritating, right? That word I just said, that was so irritating and I felt mad. And let me tell you, I got some rage, yo. I got some freaking rage. And I realized how much rage I have because of how strongly I feel it also in my body. And then the things that I'm like, you know what I feel like doing? You know what sounds really nice right now? Just fucking up a wall. Just going home and punching a wall. And, you know, that just, that image feels so good to me, my mind. I've never done it, though. But I'll tell you what I have done. I have pulled my car aside like a good driver and yelled at the top of my lungs. And nobody heard me because I was in a deserted place and I just yelled because I was really mad. 
and I was going through some shit and I've done it several times in the pandemic and I'm not kidding you. I've never done it before the pandemic. Like I would go inside my car and cry, but I would never yell. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm also going to yell because I'm so mad or frustrated or irritated. I have to tell you that is hella therapeutic. Would I recommend it? 100%. Because also you can just be your weird self and ain't nobody going to see you. Just your car. And you know what? The car is going to forgive you. I know it's an object, okay? But I love my car. I don't care what you say. It's true. Anyways, I'm drinking water with some anti-anxiety shit up in that thing and hoping that, I don't know, just hoping that it alleviates some of the neurotic feeling I feel sometimes. Um, Also, it's been snowing like a mofo up here in Reno, and I'm not going to lie, that feels pretty crazy. Feels a little bit like a cage, you know. Homegirl is a, a summer person, not a not a winter person. So I'm I'm here actually in my robe, in my room with the closet. I take it back. I record this in my closet, uh, with a heater because my ass is so, I'm my ass literally is cold, but also me, my ass is including me as a person. It's a lot. I know it's a lot. It is. Um. Thanks for listening to this bullshit. I mean, it's a lot. Some of it's bullshit. I'm not gonna lie. Not all of it's great, but you're here, and that's all that matters. And I love you. Hey, hey. Speaking of you, how was your week? How was it? Seriously, tell me. Damn it! I wish I could hear you. I wish I could. That'd be nice, huh? Um, but you know what you can do? You can write me. You can tell me about shit. You can reach out to me on the podcast. Oh, I still have that email for the podcast. That would be talkingbymyselfpodcast at gmail.com or IG, Instagram. Go ahead and reach out there. Um, you know what? I want to share something real fast. Uh, I think kind of like last year going into this year, I've learned something about I'm talking about social media now um, and people and relationships that we have with one another and uh, how I want to be treated and who... I want to bring into my life and what kind of energy I want to welcome in. And I've been really, really faced with that decision making recently. Um, and it's been weird because, you know, it feels like there was something that really happened. Another real story, guys. Another story time. There was somebody that I, I knew and I thought I was friends with this person. And turns out they weren't really my friend. That sucks. I know. It's not like the whole story, but that's the point of it is, you know, I had been friends with this person for a couple of years and thought that I was going to be receiving what I was giving because that's what it felt like for a long time in our friendship. And then turns out that um, they weren't showing up for me or seeing me for who I am. And, uh, I hurt a lot. And it's now in a space for me where I had to really look at this incident in my life and think about kind of the steps I wanted to take in a very meditative mindfulness way of asking myself, really realizing my self-worth again, because I feel like I have to keep realizing that. (laughs) And then also asking myself that question of what kind of energy and who do I want to take along with me on this life journey? Because not everybody you meet 
people that are listening to this podcast, not everybody you meet is meant to stay in your life. Actually, a lot of people sometimes are there for a season, whether it's like a two-month season or a couple-year season, and other people are there for a lifetime. I wish there was some kind of guidelines to know how to weed out those people early on to know who's really going to stay in your life, but that is not the way it works, right? We all know that now. You know, suffering does teach you a lot. It does. It does teach you a lot about yourself, about other people. Doesn't mean you have to like it, though. That's for sure. But it is part of life. Um, And that's hard. It's really hard. But uh, I think what I want to do on the podcast as well is offer some light in, in that suffering. Or maybe just honesty. I don't know. I think that's a way to shed light for sure. So I'm here being honest with you all, yo. It's like, sometimes people can't show up the way that you want them to. They can only give so much, or um, they didn't really view your relationship, your friendship, whatever it was, the same way that you did. And that is a huge um, time. It's a very common thing where... A lot of people split off. That's very common in in relationships, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships. Um, So I'm sitting here with this feeling. I'm sitting here with this acknowledgement. Also, I had been very irritated already because I was just like on my period and then there was a full moon and then I would just like, oh my God, are you fucking serious? Like seriously at the same time, like I'm having a meltdown. (laughs) And I did cry. I did cry many times. I've been crying a lot. Um, I don't know. I guess that's just where I'm at. I'm grieving a lot. But you guys want to know something? I'm learning. I'm becoming who I am. And who I always was. And this time for real. And it's pretty awesome. So even with the hurt, let down, Happiness, joy, sadness, whatever feelings you're feeling, there's multiple storylines happening. And because there is, you sometimes lose sight, you lose perspective of where you're headed. I know that for myself. Um, So I was saying all this because it's true. And then secondly, to encourage you all who are listening, be who you are and don't let anybody take that away from you. That's one of the biggest lessons I'm learning is don't let anybody hijack your story, protect your story. It's your story. It's yours to tell. And it's yours to let other people in. And nobody can take that away from you. And it's very precious. So treat it it as so. I've realized that for myself. And I want to share that with you. Also, I want to share that today is the first day that I am doing EMDR therapy. And to review what that acronym stands for, that is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Yo, I'm mad nervous. I'm extremely nervous. I was reading up on EMDR therapy and the um, success rates and it's really high and it's also the experiences that people have had. And yeah, it's nerve wracking, right? To re-experience trauma and to reprocess. It's hard. 
but I'm at a place in my life where this is the option I'm choosing for now. And also, it can't be worse than what I'm already experiencing. Like, I know that sounds fucked up, but those images, those traumas don't just magically go away with talk therapy. Um, I've been in talk therapy for three years now, over almost over three years. And it's just not quite enough. Like I said last episode, it's just not quite enough. It's a supplement to the rest of your life and your life choices and your structures and the people you let in or you don't let in um, and the relationships you foster, for sure. And with that said, I want to transition to the creative part of this podcast. This definitely has to do with what I just said. And today's creative part of the podcast is going to be from John Clare's poem, I Am, with an exclamation mark. So the exclamation mark is obviously not spelled out. I just want to let you guys know it's I Am with that accent on it. Okay, cool. Now we're going to go ahead and go into that poem right now. I am, yet what I am, no one cares or knows. My friends forsake me like a memory lost. I am the self-consumer of my woes. They rise and vanish in oblivious host. Like shadows in love's frenzied stifle throws. And yet I am, and live like vaporous tossed into the nothingness of scorn and noise, into the living sea of waking dreams, where there is neither sense of life or joys, but the vast shipwreck of my life, life's esteems. Even the dearest that I love the best are strange, nay, rather stranger than the rest. I long for scenes where man hath never trod, a place where a woman never smiled or wept, there to abide with my creator, God, and sleep as I in childhood sweetly slept, untroubling and untroubled where I lie, the grass below, above the vaulted sky. All right, this is chapter three of Richard Rohr's The Universal Christ. It's titled, Revealed in Us, as Us. He put a quote at the beginning of this chapter. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It is from Elizabeth Bowen from The Heat of the Day. To turn from everything to one face is to find oneself face to face with everything. And the chapter starts... And then we're going to skip a bit forward because I'm going to highlight one thing he says from this first part of the uh, chapter. And he's talking about Paul and Paul's conversion and how um, Paul was once Saul and how he heard God speaking to him on the road to Damascus. And he used to uh, persecute um, people that were following Jesus's um calling themselves Christians. He used to persecute Christians, basically. Um, and so Richard Rohr highlights this one part of his story, and he comments on his story saying, this is from uh, Richard Rohr, 
quote, In Paul's story, we find the archetypal spiritual pattern, wherein people move from what they thought they always knew to what they now fully recognize. The pattern reveals itself earlier, earlier in the Torah, when Jacob, quotes, quote, wakes up from his sleep on the rock of Be at Bethel and says, in effect, I found it, but it was here all the time. This is the very gate of heaven. And that is from Genesis 28, 16. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and skip into a bit later in this chapter. And it's still talking about Paul. And uh, so he says, uh, Richard Rohr says, but let's note Paul's primary centurion for authentic faith, which is quite extraordinary. Quote, examine yourselves to make sure you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is really in you? If not, you have failed the test. That is from 2 Corinthians 13 5, verses 5 through 6. So simple it's scary. Paul's radical incarnate, oh my gosh, that's going to be a word for, for home girl right here. Let's see if I can say it. Incarnationalism sets a standard for all later Christian saints, mystics, and prophets. He knew that the Christ must first of all be acknowledged within before he can be recognized without as Lord and Master. Forgive the male signifiers, but the sentence was too important to be complicated by qualifications. God must reveal himself in you before God can fully reveal himself to you. Morphic resonance again. It is important to remember that Paul, like us, never knew Jesus in the flesh. Like him, we only know the Christ through observing and honoring the depth of our own human experience. When you can honor and receive your own moment of sadness or fullness as a gracious participation in the eternal sadness or fullness of God, you are beginning to recognize yourself as a participating member of this one universal body. You are moving from I to we. Thus Paul shows the rest of us that we too can know Christ infinitely, Christ's infinite available presence through our own inner mental dialogue or the natural law, which is, quote, engraved on our hearts. Quite daringly, he declares that even so-called pagans, quote, who do not possess the law can be said to be the law. See Romans 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. This is surely why he spoke to the well-educated Athenians of, quote, the unknown God whom you already worship without knowing. That is from Acts 17, verse 23. Paul likely inherited this idea from the prophet Jeremiah, who dared to offer a new covenant. That is from 3131, uh, Jer I'm assuming Jeremiah, to God's people. But this idea remained largely undeveloped until a natural law was sought out by the moral theologians of the last century, and now in Pope Francis's strong understanding of individual conscience. It is still a shock to many, but Paul merely took incarnationalism to its universal and logical conclusions. We see that his bold exclamation, quote, there is only Christ. He is everything and he is in everything. Colossians chapter 3 verse 11. If I were to write that today, people would call me a pantheist, which is 
the universe is God, whereas I am really a panine, so it's spelled P-A-N-E-N-T-H-E-I-S-T. I'm panetheist, I'm assuming how to say that, uh, which is God lies within all things, but also transcends them, exactly like both Jesus and Paul. All right, next chapter, not chapter, but uh, subtitle of this next area of this chapter is called In En Cristo, so in Christ is the Latin translation. All right, Paul summarizes his corporate understanding of salvation with his shorthand phrase, in Cristo, using it more than any single phrase in all of his letters, a total of 164 times. In Cristo seems to be Paul's code for the gracious participatory experience of salvation, the path that he so urgently wanted to share with the world. Distinctly put, this identity means humanity has never been separated from God, unless and except by its own negative choice. I know I'm going to pause there for a second because there's a lot of thought on that, and I'm not sure what I feel about Roar saying that. I'm not really sure where I'm at, but I'm just reading this as more of an offering, not as trying to convert anybody or evangel. Evangel. How do you say that? Oh my God. To be like a televangelist. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just offering what he thinks, not what I think necessarily. All right, so back to the chapter. Um, All of us, without exception, are living inside of a cosmic identity already in place that is driving and guiding us forward. We are all in Christo, willingly or unwillingly, happily or unhappily, consciously or unconsciously. Paul seemed to understand that the lone individual was far too small, insecure, and short-lived to bear either the weight of glory or the burden of sin. Only the whole could carry such a cosmic mystery of constant loss and renewal. Paul's knowledge of in Christ allowed him to give God's universal story a name, a focus, a love, and a certain uh, victorious direction. I'm not sure if that's victorious. Yeah, it is. Victorious direction so that coming generations could trustingly jump on this cosmic and collective ride. I hope that you will learn and enjoy the full meaning of that short, brilliant phrase because it is crucial to the future of Christianity, which is still trapped. And this is where I'm going to start telling you that he's going to start getting real opinionated and I really like it which is still trapped in a highly individualistic notion of salvation that ends up not looking much like salvation at all. All of us, without exception, are living inside of a common identity, already in place, that is driving and guiding us forward. Paul calls this bigger divine identity, quote, the mystery of his purpose, the plan he so kindly made in Christ from the very beginning. That is Ephesians 1, 9. Today, we might call it the collective unconsciousness, unconscious, you could just say. Um, every single creature, the teen mother nursing a child, every one of the 20,000 species of butterflies, an immigrant living in fear, a blade of grass, you reading this book, all are in Christ and chosen from the beginning. That is from Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 9. What else could they be? Salvation for Paul is an ontological and cosmo- cosmological message. Gosh, these words are tricky, girl. Which is solid before it ever becomes a moral or a psychological one, which is always unstable. Pause and give that some serious thought if you can. Are we going to keep going on for just a bit more in this little part? 
bear with me. You're going to love it, I hope. Did you ever notice that in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tells the disciples to proclaim the good news to, quote, all creation or every creature and not just to humans? That's from uh, Mark 16, verse 15. Paul affirms that he has done this very thing when he says, quote, never let yourself drift away from the hope promised by the good news, which has been preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become the servant. That is from Colossians 1, verse 23. Did he really talk to and convince, quote, every creature under, the, under heaven in his short lifetime? Surely not. But he did know that he had announced to the world the deepest philosophical groundings of things by saying that it was all in Christ. And he daringly believed that this truth would eventually stick and succeed. I never have been separated from God, nor can I be, except in my mind. I really like that thought right there. That's beautiful. I would love for you to bring this realization to a loving consciousness. In fact, why not stop reading now and just breathe and let that sink in? It is crucial that you know this experimentally and at a cellular level, which is, in fact, a real way of knowing just as rational knowing. It is pr its primary characteristic is that it is a non-dual and thus a open-minded way of knowing which does not close down so quickly and so definitely as a dualistic thought does all right so this is going to be the next part of the chapter and this part is called great love and great suffering you might wonder how exactly primitive peoples and pre-christian civilizations could have had access to God. I believe it was through the universal and normal transformative journeys of a great love and great suffering, which all individuals have undergone from the beginning of the human race. Only great love and great suffering are strong enough to take away our imperial ego's protections and open us to authentic experiences of transcendence. The Christ, especially when twinned with Jesus, is a clear message about universal love and a necessary suffering and necessary suffering as the divine pattern. Startling starting, excuse me, starting with the three persons of the Trinity, where God is said to be both endlessly outpouring and self emptying, like three revolving buckets on a water wheel. This process keeps the flow flowing eternally inside and outside of God and in one positive direction. Just because you do not have the right word for God does not mean you are not having the right experience. From the beginning, YHWH, or maybe if I'm, if I'm, this is me talking, or Yahweh, which is what the later, I know it's kind of a generational jump there, but it was actually unspeakable for a long time. So let the Jewish people know that no right word would ever contain God's infinite mystery. The God of Israel's message seems to be, quote, I am not going to give you any control over me or else your need for control will soon extend to everything else. Controlling people try to control people. 
and they do the same with God. But loving anything always means a certain giving up of control. You tend to create a God who is just like you, whereas it was supposed to be the other way around. Did it ever strike you that God gives up control more than anybody in the universe? God hardly ever holds on to control. If the truth be told, we do. And God allows this very, this every day, in every way, God is so free. Any kind of authentic God experience will usually feel like love or suffering or both. It will connect you to full reality at ever new breadths, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that, and depths until God will be all in all. That's from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 28. Our circles of belonging tend to either expand or constrict as life goes on. At least that is what I've observed through working with people as a counselor, spiritual director, and confessor. Our patterns of relating once set determine the trajectories for our whole lives. If we are inherently skeptical and suspicious, the focus narrows. If we are hopeful and trusting, the focus continues to expand. I'm going to pause there for a second. It makes me think about what I was talking about earlier in the podcast, and really anybody can relate to this, what he's saying here about perspective and whether your circle expands or contracts. I think there's a grain of salt with that too, because there's obviously certain circumstances and people and whatnot and places that, you know, sometimes it's not very healthy for us to be in, but there is a way of walking in the world where you have this open heart, open mind, expansive energy that is very different than feeling like you are being attacked or judged. And it's hard because like I find myself oscillating between both of those extremes And I yearn for the first one more than anything. Um, I think we all kind of do. I think in our human nature, we want to be free, expressive beings. And we really want to operate in love, not in hate or any of those negative things. You know, I don't think that's our natural place to be. So it makes me think about how I was mentioning about earlier about a friend that I realized was like not my friend and how hard that's been for me. But also knowing that part of it's letting go and letting it be and also giving myself that space to check in with where I'm at. <coughs> I have a tickle in my throat. My gosh, I never get that. But um, let me drink some of my lovely tea that I'm having. It's a relaxing tea. It tastes great. I haven't really had much caffeine today barely any and I'm usually having quite a bit of caffeine I'm gonna I'm doing an experiment I'm trying to see if my sleep improves if I don't have caffeine let's see what happens okay um I'm gonna go ahead and keep reading this is the end of this chapter so bear with me here it's really exciting I'm really loving what he's saying I hope you are too any kind of excuse me I'm starting back over on that chapter because I liked it so much (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and skip forward because I just read that And starting up again, here we go. Let me repeat again a point that has been so clarifying and foundational for me. The proof that you are a Christian, excuse me, the proof that you are a Christian is that you can see Christ everywhere else. This is what we saw in Carol Hauslander's experience on the train. And in what, and in Jesus when he pointed to 
divinity in the least of the brothers and sisters in Matthew chapter 25 and 40, and even in the so-called bad thief who was crucified next to him in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Authentic God experience always expands your seeing and never constricts it. What else would be worthy of God? In God, you do not include less and less. You always see more and love more and more. The more you transcend your small ego, the more you can conclude, quote, Unless a single grain of wheat dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it does, it will bear much fruit. Jesus Christ says in John 12, verse 24, When you look at your dog in the face, for example, as I often look back at my black Labrador Venus, I truly believe you are seeing another incarnation of the divine presence, the Christ. When you look at any other person, a flower, a honeybee, a mountain, anything, you are seeing the incarnation of God's love for you and the universe you call home. That just made me think of this plant that I bought, and I really love this plant. Like, I saw it, and I was so happy. Like, I literally ran over to it in the store, and I just held it. Like, I put my hands around the pot, and I was just like, oh my god, I love this plant. Literally, I did that. I got really excited. Like, my childhood self came out. I was very, very excited about this beautiful plant. It's called a ponytail palm, and... I'm really excited. I just hope that it lasts because I'm not very good with plants, so I'm scared, but I'm really loving my plant and I, I do talk to it. Anyways, continuing on, we just got a little bit more here. Positive focus on an incarnation of God's love apparent near you right now. You must risk it. I hope a larger understanding is drawing for you, is dawning for you, excuse me. Anything that draws you out of yourself in a positive way, for all practical purposes, is operating as God for you at that moment. How else can the journey begin? How else are you drawn forward, not by idle beliefs, but by inner aliveness? God needs something to seduce you out and beyond yourself. So God uses three things in particular, goodness, truth, and beauty. All three have the capacity to draw us into experience of union. You cannot think your way into this kind of radiant, expansive seeing. You must be caught in a relationship of love and awe now and then, and it often comes slowly through osmosis, imitation, resonance, contemplation, and mirroring. The Christ is always given freely, tossed like a baton from the other side. Our only part in the process is to reach out and catch it every now and then. For Paul and for ordinary mystics like you and me, the kind of seeing I'm describing is a relational and reciprocal experience in which we find God simultaneously in ourselves and in the outer world beyond ourselves. I doubt if there is any other way. Presence is never self-generated, but always a gift from another and faith is always relational at the core. Divine seeing cannot be done alone, but only as one consciousness interfaces with another, and the two parties volley back and forth, meeting subject to subject. Presence must be offered and given, evoked and received. It can happen in a physical gesture, 
quiet word, a smile, a meal shared with someone we care for when we are suddenly enlivened by a force larger than the two of us. It is so important to taste, touch, and trust such moments. Words and complex rituals almost get in the way at this point. All you can really do is return to such presence with your own presence. Nothing to believe here at all. Just learn to trust and draw forth your own deepest experience, and you will know the Christ all day, every day, and before and after ever go to any kind of religious service, church, temple, and mosque will start to make sense of on a whole new level. And at the same time, church, temple, and mosque will become totally boring and unnecessary. I promise you, both will be true because you are already fully accepted and fully accepting. I mean, I hope that brings you joy because it brought me a lot of joy just reading that. It's really beautiful. Um, and he does a great job of including everybody and every across ethnic boundaries and religions. And I mean, it's just, it just makes so much sense to me. And um, it feels right, furthermore. This is what I think attracted me to maybe the church in the, far the first place was just like this idea of unity and, and one and like wholeness, not, not the rules and regulations, not any of those shitty things or the systems. It was never about that for me. It was really about this universal consciousness experience of God, maybe, or whatever you want to call it, whatever you call God or don't call God or whatever your beliefs are. Hey, you know what? I don't think any of us know the, I don't think any of us know the answers or the truth, but I do think it's worth contemplating on. So, um, I hope it brings you some contemplation and also some ease in your day. Yeah. Okay. Let me know what you think about this episode. If you like it, if you, want to go ahead and reach out to me, you know where to do that. That's going to be talking by myself podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I love to hear from you all. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of talking by myself. I will talk to you next week.